0: To places. Thank you, places. It's time to exit Stage Death.
1: Welcome back to Exit Stage Death. As always, I'm your host, Emily Martinez.
0: And I'm your host, Maddie Limerick.
1: And these are the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows. Maddie, welcome back to Episode back. Two.
0: Episode two, we did it. We did
1: it. We made it. Ah, oh, Maddie, I am I am excited. I'm ex. Well, okay, it's weird to say that I'm excited because these are always usually very sad stories. Uh-huh. But um, I've been so intrigued by our topic um for a couple of years now, uh-huh. and um, I I I feel like I can't stop thinking about it. So uh-huh. I'm really uh ex. I keep saying excited, like. twat but like I (laughs) it's it's so interesting and also I can't wait to hear your interpretations or Uh even just reactions to some of the things that I learned. Today we are talking about the tragic story and the mystery that is Natalie Wood
0: and her (sighs) death. Uh, I've been so excited since we decided that this was what you were going to lead in with, like months ago. I've been so excited because it is something that I am always ready to talk about and always ready to hear somebody else's interpretation of, because it is whoa whoa wild,
1: whoa whoa wo- I love that it is whoa whoa wild, whoa whoa wo- 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 wild gold. Sure, it's just like there's so number one, there are so many um, just different stories that was like it's hard to bring a timeline together because people were like uh rotted with guilt years later so um you know actually hearing about like or actually hearing um people's truths and then at the end of the day it's like well will we ever know the truth because Uh the person who knows it to a t is not with us anymore Uh and so we may never know but um But, hey, that's why we talk about it, and that's why we talk about stories and bring awareness to things like this, so hopefully history doesn't continue to repeat itself and...
0: Well, and it's one of those things, Mm -hmm. too, that's also just like pre-internet. And so, Mm -hmm. so much of what we heard and how the story was told was controlled by the people that wanted to control it, by the studios, by the people involved. And so today, if this happened now, I mean, even like look at Naya Rivera when she Mm -hmm. passed last summer, Mm -hmm. we immediately heard about it. We immediately knew what was happening. We immediately heard about the toxicology report. Mm -hmm. But that also, there was a body in that situation. Well, an assumed body. And so... Uh, I can't wait to hear this. All right. So let's jump in.
1: Let's get in. Let's talk Natalie Wood. West Side Story is a musical conceived by Jerome Robbins with music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and a book by Arthur Lawrence. Based off of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, West Side Story is a tale of star-crossed lovers in the 1950s, New York, filled with romance, dancing, and incredible talents. The OG production ran for 732 performances uh, brought brought about Sondheim's Broadway debut and was nominated for six Tonys, winning two It it's would a go pretty on good to be little show. I know just like a cute little <laughs> it's show just
0: a, it's a cute little show it's a cute little show like total
1: flop, <laughs> but you know just like it, you know. it did its job i guess
0: it did it did it was fine it was
1: fine <laughs> <laughs> it would go on to become part of the classics catalog for American musicals. The newest film adaptation, which I was obsessed with, by Steven Sondheim was incredibly beautiful and I feel brings the true grit and desperation and yearning that only time and mu- movie magic is able to convey. It has been nominated and has won many awards throughout the season and is truly breathtaking and marks a really important reimagining of a story with proper re- representation and authenticity and just straight up talent. Except for Ansel, who played Tony, but I digress.
0: Sure. Well, I think it's so funny that, like, it's taken literally. I mean, that show will open in what, 50, 58, 55? Like, it it is shocking to me that it has taken this long for us Mm -hmm. to be like, no, let's accurately tell the story with accurate casting. Like, it's revolutionary for regional theaters to have an entire non white Sharks cast. And it's like, y'all.
1: I mean, y'all. I did it in high school
0: all oh, well, everybody
1: Marias were white, white, white.
0: White, white, white. I mean, that is very common. It's between that and, you know, and then when In the Heights came out, everybody started joking about In the Whites because it just seemed mm-hmm. like the show that it was like, it's fine, we want to do the show, so we'll do it. We mm-hmm. don't care if we have the people for it. But yes. it's just so funny to think of it as like, it's progressive for us to do the show the way it was supposed to be. Yeah, done. it's
1: like, it's a reimagining of proper representation. Okay, however... What I grew up watching over and over again was the original film adaptation from 1961, starring the beautiful and heartbreaking Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood would be famously remembered for being an actress that wasn't a real singer and whose voice was dubbed over without her consent, but we'll get into that a little later, regardless of how much she busted her ass to be as authentic as she could to the music of the role and also the cult, the Puerto Rican culture that she was trying desperately to represent as a white woman in the 1960s, it was of the time, it had a lot of work to do, and the newer version shows all of the representation that we needed, and that the people of the 1960s also needed. But sadly... Natalie Wood would not grow old enough to see what this film's potential could have been for future generations and how it evolved into the representative masterpiece it is now because on November 29th, 1981, just over 40 years ago, Natalie Wood was found in the cold waters of Catalina Island off the coast of the California mainland after a night of drinking, fighting, mystery, and ultimately death. So Natalie Wood was born Natalia... Uh, forgive me Zakarenko Russian born and um, or from Russian uh, Russian parents on July 20th 1938 she was born to Maria Maria and Nikolai uh, and she was the second daughter to Maria now we could go into full detail about the upbringing and how her life mimicked that of another iconic role in a movie musical she portrayed Gypsy Rose Lee but simply put from day one Uh, Natalie was pressured into being the star and to being um, completely controlled and at the demand of her mother. But this story isn't about Maria. That is Maria as in Natalie's mother, not Maria of West Side Story. Though now truly, I think we could actually do an entire episode, Maddie, uh, based on the comparison of Gypsy Rosalie and this because like it's, it's all there and it's I mean, so ironic that I'm, you that I mean role. not to
0: give too much away to everybody we already are going to talk about Mama Rose and Gypsy later in the series mm-hmm. so I mean we'll just have to add this because if there's something I love it's insane stage mom stories I mean I feel like everybody at this point had, knows about Gypsy Rose Blanchard and her mom who mm-hmm. is named after Gypsy Rose Lee the performer and so I mean which again there's just such duality in that story that I mean it just anytime we get an opportunity to talk about a psychotic stage mom, I want to, we have to, we need to. (laughs) It's too
1: good not to. Natalie's mother, Maria, if anything, was known for being extremely superstitious. She was known for stretching the truth and being a flat-out liar uh, for her own gain. She wasn't quite a con artist, but she was close enough at times. She would let Natalie know that she was, um, she would lie to Natalie and say that she was a descendant of the Romanovs. Um, If you don't know who the Romanovs are, Anastasia Another video or another uh, episode that we will mm-hmm. most likely get mm. into in the future. Um, and that there was fame in her blood. Of course, all of this was a lie, but it was like so true to Maria that she just had to say it out loud. Mm. The moment that she was placed uh, into her mother's arms, Maria whispered into Natalie's ear, you will be famous. Uh, no pressure. OK, Nine. zero,
0: zero <laughs> Absolutely pressure, no
1: pressure. However, the main superstition that stuck with Maria, and by extent, Natalie, was the prophecy brought to her from a fortune teller. A fortune teller. I know.
0: <laughs> Mad- you Maddie all can't put- see me right now, but I literally just like full like hands to Jesus pulled away. I was like, Maddie is nothing- putting their
1: arms in the air.
0: <laughs> nothing good comes from a 1930s or 40s uh, soothsayer. I just, I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, that sounds the way a bad horror movie starts. Like- <laughs> but also it's
1: like this this fortune teller was like must have been rolling in their grave being like, you didn't listen to me.
0: (laughs) That's not what I meant. (laughs) That's (laughs) not what I meant.
1: Well, she foretold that Maria would have two daughters. Well, she had three, but you know, she had two daughters, right? And the second one would be a beauty who was world renowned, but also for this daughter in particular to beware of dark water. Yes. Natalie. Yeah. What? Natalie was Maria's second daughter of three. And set out on a life of fear, obedience, and fame. I could seriously go into all the details of Natalie Wood's upbringing within an, within the Hollywood studio and what she went through, but we could literally be here all day, night, whatever, so that will be for another day. But key things okay. to remember about this time is that Natalie, like so many other starlets of this golden age of films, um, would be forced into the Hollywood studio system and be held tight under their control with everything – Everything about these actors, from what they wore, to who they dated, to what their identities were, it was all about control, it was all about obedience, never ask questions, and especially for Natalie, and for other women in the industry back then, was to be a very good girl and always pay attention, because it would be ripped away from you at a moment's notice.
0: Oh, that makes me feel so gross. Right? It's It's so disgusting.
1: So, when that came to fears of Natalie... um, Natalie was literally just meant to grin and bear it. This phobia of dark water was truly with Natalie her entire life. So much so that she was terrified to literally wash her face, afraid to take a tub. Or take a tub. Afraid to take a bath in the tub. And she became just um what's what's that uh what's that what's that phobia or what's that thing when you're literally afraid of everything? Isn't that? Oh. That is she was just constantly afraid of different things, like fears upon fears, because she was just guarded and controlled so much that she didn't get to experience life. She didn't get to fall down without fear of, of, of bruising herself because, oh my gosh, that would be bad for a role. You know, like just fears upon fears. So there were numerous times when she was on set that a dramatic, that a dramatic moment in her films included water of some kind, and the producers and her mother would literally trick her, lie to her to elicit real fear, in one film, a bridge collapsed beneath her feet when she was told it would be a solid. And in her fight or flight in that situation to survive, because she didn't know that this thing was going to collapse underneath her, um, and no one was running to her aid or telling her that it was all right, mind you, because it was all for the shot, she broke her wrist by trying when she was trying to get out of the water. And it swelled up her wrist and, and left a forever um, physical reminder of that traumatic event so much so that she would wear bangles on her wrist so that she wouldn't have to see it. Um, but also like w- did no one have like rehearsals on set about these like traumatic moments? No. Like, no. It's just like they had stunt doubles but they were like we'd really like you small child to uh, do this traumatic event. Like old Hollywood was so incredibly fucked up and I hate it here but um it's just, like, it's wild how much things have changed, even though things are still not always great now. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, wild.
0: Well, it's, like, it every time I get mad about SAG-AFTRA or Actors' Equity, I have to remind myself that it's, like, they are they are a burning shithole right now. But they are a burning shithole that it is still better mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. there was literally no protection for anyone on set. Literally. Like, I mean, when we say a different time, uh, you know, it's also like I'm sure I'll say it multiple times during the show. But it's anytime somebody goes, "Oh, I wish we could go back to the good old times," and I was like, "This is what you meant by the good old times? Fuck you! You can go back. I don't want to go back." Like it's just you know when they see the products,
1: they see the Mm -hmm. products of the good old times because that's Mm -hmm. all the good old times cared about. Mm -hmm. And it's like any any means to the to a good end. Like they don't Mm -hmm. care how they Mm -hmm. got to it. So there were more situations like this. Natalie was just constantly put into situations of dark water, literally having to face her phobia constantly without her consent. So, there was another film um, called The Star starring Betty Davis. And in this time, Betty was probably the only one that was advocating for her because Natalie's mother wasn't. But they forced Natalie to jump into the waters of Catalina, eerily enough. This is where she would ultimately lose her life uh, during a scene. So, she couldn't swim. This poor woman couldn't swim. She was never taught to swim. Um, So she was taught to fear something but not, like, have a resource on how to conquer a fear. Very bizarre. Um, But she was told that there were going to be men in boats that would get her if anything happened. But, like, literally the bitch couldn't swim. So naturally, like, she, Mm -hmm. she got the courage to somehow jump into the water for the shot. But she froze as soon as she got into the water, and she almost died again because she didn't know how to swim. And from that point on, she said that she was forever cursed with nightmares of drowning. Like, in um, in interviews with talk show hosts, she said, like, I've always had this fear of dark water, of seawater. Like, I- I'm terrified of it. So it's like, it was very well known that she had horrible um, associations with water. mm mm-hmm. She said that she knew that she would drown if she ever went into water again, but it was just expected of her to be this good little girl, good little actress. Don't question. Don't bother. Don't stand up for yourself or you will be replaced. And honestly, like, I just think that mentality in so many performing spaces still exists for anyone, um, especially for anyone who's not conventionally attractive, um, Mm -hmm. straight presenting Mm -hmm. and white and a male. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And that brings us to someone who represents all of that, Robert J. Wagner, also known as RJ. Now, RJ was um a very well known actor in Hollywood. He was kind of one of those um like the classic like good boy that was in the uh-huh. things that had just had these like chiseled good looks, and everyone was uh-huh. like, oh, RJ. And so RJ literally came into Natalie's life when she was 11 years old. On a studio lot, she saw him. She saw the 20-year-old Robert J. Wagner from afar. And she was like, oh, my God, Stone Cold Hottie, um, movie star. And he smiled at her because I think he was just smiling at a child that was on set. Uh-huh. And she, in her youth, like most little kids do when they see someone that is attracted to them and, or it's just a star. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I love you. She was like, I'm going to marry him. And of course, everybody laughed it off. But like, of course, you know, it was just something she said. And um, and it's like that resonated because, of course, RJ doesn't recall this moment because he was grown and she was not But it was probably because she was probably one of many young girls or Mm -hmm. young people that had like goo goo eyes for him.
0: Of course.
1: but RJ was also a product of the Hollywood studio system. He had his own issues that had huge effects on his future life with and without Natalie. Now, Robert J. Wagner, uh, there were many rumors flying around about him at this time that carried on for many years and continue to, I'm sure. Um, it was said that it was said that he was possibly gay or possibly bi, and that the studio wanted to do everything that they could to cover that up. Um, So they would do it with fake dates, fake relationships um, that they said were real, but other people said they were fake. Now, Robert J. Wagner has never come out of the closet. And, of course, as a queer woman myself, who has only recently come out, like it is not my job to uh, say if he is or not, and that's nobody's job. But I think it is a tricky line to walk because of the events that happen later in the story. And I think that if we use that... um, as like um, a cornerstone of this case. It only villainizes him through the lens of like seeing seeing um, queer people as dangerous, and so like mm. we're not going down that trope. Like, Good. Good. Like, like Good. absolutely not, because <laughs> it's hard enough for us now. I can't even ima- mm-hmm. imagine how hard it was for someone who possibly was queer um, during that time, mm-hmm. so um you know, you're know, you literally hiding your identity for by all means possible from everyone and everything. So um, if, if he's queer, that's part of his identity and that's just a facet of who he is. Um, it's not the only thing he possibly might be. If he's not, he might be completely straight. We don't know. Um, but the things that we learn that are dangerous about Robert J. Wagner are not rooted in his sexuality or his identity. They are rooted in his behaviors of his control, of his ownership, of his um, insecurities, of his jealousy, and the need for outward appearances. So long story short, RJ and Natalie cross paths multiple times in their lives, um, very much star-crossed lovers in their own respect. They finally had their first, like, quote-unquote, date at 18. I think it was, like, a bet of some kind of, like, oh, I'll take you out when you're 18, which is gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was on her, it was on Natalie's 18th birthday. But after a year of him kind of trying to get, like, her attention, because she kind of wasn't interested anymore, she was, like, on to, like, kind of, like, the bad boys of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Of course. Like, any 18-year-old would be. Um he was just like, no, like, let me take you on a real date. And the studios were like, oh, please, like, we need you to settle down and stop being a woman with ideas. And so she was just like, (laughs) like, please settle down with this brawny white man. And she's just like, fine, just get off my back. And so a year after that, they went on this fake date, they actually went on a real date on a sailboat and he gave her a mink stole and the studios were like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Like, it's going to restore your image. She was apparently tarnishing, but like she was liking it in a way. She was kind of liking the fact that things were boring because the research that goes into Natalie is like she really experienced a lot of trauma, not only from her mother, but also from many men in her life. Um, Different accounts of assaults, and she just wanted to be... I think she wanted to be taken care of, and I think she wanted maybe a little bit of just normalcy, boring as it might be. She just wanted... To settle. So all of a sudden, kind of as soon as she um, really gets serious with Robert J. Wagner, um, he proposes on December 6th. And it was kind of like all of a sudden at 19 years old when they get married, she's like a completely different woman. Like she's like glamorous instead of like trashy, quote unquote, is what they would call her. Like it was kind of like she switched from like teen to like womanhood, like overnight. So they went um, and it's just crazy of all these fears and traumas that she had with dark water and so much of their relationship is like centered around sailing. It's very odd
0: because it's a huge thing for him. So,
1: yeah, it's such a status symbol, too. So they went on a honey. They went on a honeymoon um, on a sailboat in Miami and, of course, got caught in a huge storm uh natalie was sure she was gonna die and so they ended that trip and drove to la and finished their honey room on the honey room? their honeymoon on yet another boat on catalina island and they were but it but it actually was like a really lovely way to end their their honeymoon so like ah oh, so this is our thing now we did something once and it was nice this is now our thing um however their marriage only lasted for seven years Um, she felt like she never wanted to be away from RJ. She was starting to lose her identity. Like she felt like she was losing her identity with the Hollywood system. She just felt like she just like, she didn't remember who she was anymore because so much was centered around RJ. Um, So she started going to a therapist. And of course this therapist of the therapist back then would just give her pills upon pills and uh, try to medicate her as much as possible. So she felt like she was even losing herself in the medications that she was taking. Meanwhile, RJ is becoming very jealous of her. Um, any co-star he's with, he's like, he, he just wants her all for himself. Um, so the tumultuous relationship of his control and need need for her to be around him all the time is really starting to like um, simmer and it's mm-hmm. it's starting to get to her. Like there is a movie, I, I don't remember the movie that Natalie was in, but she was with Warren Beatty, who was a big heartthrob at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um... RJ was so jealous of Warren Beatty, even though there were, because, you know, there's always going to be rumors about someone being with their co-star. He literally went to Warren Beatty's house with a shotgun and sat on his, like, front yard and was like, I will kill you if you ever get with my wife. And, like, nothing came of it. Warren Beatty was like, "Mm -hmm, you're so funny. But, like, nothing happened. But still, like, the fact that that type of behavior was, like, inside RJ is terrifying.
0: M2 words absolutely not absolutely absolutely not it's red flags red flags that is just like do 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 red flags everywhere do you hear the people
1: sing do you hear them do you hear the
0: people red Red, you in danger girl (laughs) Natalie you in danger (laughs) danger girl girl. literally
1: okay literally that fortune teller was like Uh -uh. you in danger girl like your whole life you in danger danger.
0: oh my god
1: so at this time, uh, Natalie's career is on the rise again. She did West Side Story. She was crushing it, um, but she was also devastated that she was being dubbed over um, in for singing roles when she's really working so hard to be taken seriously as a serious actor. But she feels like she just keeps getting like bombarded by other people being better than her and people saying she's not good enough. Meanwhile, RJ's career is taking many dips. And that's just their, their careers are going up and down and up and down. Um, but RJ, all the while, is becoming very resentful of her because he's not considered as uh, as serious an actress as she mm-hmm. because he's doing TV, and that's not as glamorous as it is today. Okay. So they're fighting a lot. They're drinking a lot in their marriage. Okay. There was actually an instance, uh, but it was only like reported on once, so I don't know um, how credible this is. But apparently there was one night where it was because it was recounted by um, the son of a neighbor who was like eight years old at the time. So he's recounting this like at his age now. And he said that Natalie came running to their house and was screaming and banging on the door saying, please let me in. I think he's going to kill me. And the neighbors like brought her in, like tried to calm her down, let her stay the night. Um, And then she just went back to her home the next day and basically was like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's going to be fine. And there was never another account of that. But they were just like, that is so odd. And it made sense that their marriage um, Uh came to an end. Apparently, according to sources, their marriage allegedly ended after uh, one night she walked in on RJ and another man being intimate. Um, She had taken many pills and drinks and she fell into a coma. I don't know if she was um, trying to end her life or if she was just trying to forget what she had seen or what she allegedly has seen but she came to and she said that she was separating from RJ she said that she would always love him but they couldn't be together with this happening and she couldn't be with him anymore now maybe they had an arrangement in their marriage but regardless of what happened trust was broken and mm-hmm. um and and their marriage did end but they really would always stay together i mean honestly or, like, because I don't
0: care you know what the time is that is uh, that is a very valid thing like I am a very pro polyamory person whatever works for you is a couple but also we're talking again about a time where I doubt there was an arrangement because that if it had gotten out because both of them were notorious drunks, Mm -hmm. it would have ruined both of their careers. She would have been unclean, he would have been, you know, it would have Mm -hmm. ruined him. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm liking to think that there wasn't an understanding because also like, She has every right to just walk away from that situation, especially during this time where she's probably enduring such emotional abuse, which in many ways, you know, not saying one is worse than the other, which uh, in many ways, emotional abuse is always going to be so much worse than physical because you're dealing with the emotional scars that Mm -hmm. nobody else is ever going to see and nobody else is necessarily ever going to believe. Uh, So it is, you know, I, this is one where I stand with Natalie and go, you know, I would have probably walked out on him too if if it was not an understanding not part of our relationship already but also like I also doubt that there's an understanding because he's being so possessive about other men mm. um, but also again was all of that an act because a man who's sleeping with other men who doesn't care about his wife would never go as crazy as to sit on somebody's lawn.
1: I mean, so toxic it, masculinity is at an all-time oh, raging high.
0: yes. Ooh, another red flag, just waving in the wind. Just waving know. in but the But again, wind. just such a part of this time, not saying it's correct, but it is, again, we have to look at it subjectively of what the time was. So exactly.
1: And there you know, probably, not, you know, there weren't that many other options for her, you know? No, no. She was at the mercy of all these men.
0: Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um so they got divorced. Um and just to kind of speed through about the, their lives because a lot of different details happened, but mm-hmm. there were a few uh marriage attempts on both sides, movie roles, babies, uh and just life and eventually it brought them together again. Um RJ and Natalie found themselves um very much uh, entranced in each other's lives a, a bit secretly. They didn't really tell many people about it, especially um, Natalie's sisters, but uh, but it was it was happening. and again, they got married very quickly. And when she brought when Natalie brought the information to her sister Lana, Lana was like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, regardless of how it ended, she was like it ended and you were heartbroken, like, why are you doing this to yourself? And Natalie said, well, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't.
0: Which every time I oh. hear that quote from her, literally it just feels like a pickaxe to my chest and it's my like, heart because why don't I just it's settle all,
1: for bullshit. At least I also, at least I know the bullshit.
0: Well, and it's also one of those things, it's such like now that we know, like, the pinpoints of an abuser or the pinpoints Mm -hmm. of an unhealthy relationship, that is such a red flag and a pinpoint of an unhealthy relationship. But also it's just because she is such kind of this tragic fairy tale of Hollywood, because this is, you know, I like to say a a well-known point in history, but the story itself is not super well known because people just go, yes, she died. This happened and haven't looked into it. And so it is one of those things that it is almost so much more tragic. Yeah. But, you know, we like to, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt that they grow, they change and things, but probably not that much when you're toxic and have money and have addiction
1: issues. Unfortunately, there's not going to be much much, um, much growth, much self-growth on, um, on old RJ's behalf oh,
0: no, no,
1: no, no, no. so uh so get this Maddie um dark water and all that right fears mm-hmm. um they celebrate their second marriage after taking a cruise on the Queen Mary 2 which if you don't know the Queen Mary um it's now docked in LA um or outside of LA and I only know this because my first cruise ship contract was literally right next to it it's literally a replica of the Titanic and it's haunted itself Um, So, you know, like dark water. It's okay. Fine. Cool, cool, cool. I can't. I can't. can't. Literally rolling in her grave. Fortune teller rolling in her grave. Um, So they get married or they take this cruise. This cruise gets caught in a horrible storm. I can't. Um, can't, And then they get married on a... Then they get married on a yacht. And during their wedding... The yacht is rocking the whole time. So much so that nobody can stand during their marriage ceremony. Like, it's just rocking. Rocking and rolling. The world, like Mother Nature, it was like, bitch, bitch, please.
0: no. Bitch. I'm so nauseous right now for this story. It's wild.
1: Um, but, But you know what they said to each other? You know, honey, like, let's buy a boat. So in 1975, they bought their boat. They named their yacht The Splendor. Named after uh, one of Natalie's films that got critical acclaim, of *Splendor in the Grass*. And mm-hmm. beautiful um,
0: film. If nobody's ever seen it, it is a beautiful film. I haven't
1: seen it. I should. I should. Oh, use, it's gorgeous. Watch it's, it.
0: gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeous. It's
1: gorgeous. gorgeous. And uh, the little dinghy that was connected to um, a motorized dinghy that was connected to the Splendor was called the Valiant. And the Valiant was named after the movie *Prince Valiant*. One of RJ's films that completely tanked in movies. Now, they thought that this was like a hilarious joke, but you cannot tell me that this man's ego did not get bruised by this.
0: Totally. It absolutely did. Like a
1: physical representation of someone like my wife is succeeding in all these aspects and here I am this little dinghy. But they loved that boat, and they were on it almost every weekend with their children that they had in the, uh, in the future. And by all accounts, Natalie seemed to be thriving every time she was on the boat. She never went into the water, but every time she was on the boat, she was wearing her big sunglasses, being very glamorous. She, she loved that lifestyle. And yet again, Natalie's career was on the rise. And she starred alongside the hot, 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 fresh off of his Oscar win, Christopher Walken in Brainstorm. Brainstorm was a movie that was like a sci-fi film,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I don't believe they f- were able to finish filming it before uh, the death of Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. But yes, Christopher Walken of
0: uh, <laughs> Christopher Walken of Hairspray, of the Hairspray movie. You know that and he is not Catch Me If
1: You Can and yeah. uh, Cowbell. It needs more Cowbell.
0: And notorious gangster films, yeah, over and over. Also, musical with Bernadette Peters, "Pennies from Heaven," where he dances through the whole movie because yeah, he dancing. started it. Well, that's the thing that I, I, no one ever like. He's such a bros bro, like mm. now. But I love that he literally started as like such the most unusual musical theater actor.
1: Yeah, yeah, truly. So, um, so Natalie and and Christopher Walken really connected right away. Of course, there were rumors about them being together, but I I truly think that they were just really good friends and that he got her in ways that other people didn't get her. Um, He was younger than her, but I think he gave her the confidence and validated her in a lot of ways that a lot of men weren't validating her, especially, I want to say she was like 30... or in her early 40s, maybe, when she met Christopher mm-hmm. Walken. So, like, especially women of that time in Hollywood, like, there's not much there for them. Um, at least in a role that's, like, um, seen as beautiful, seen as, like, mm-hmm. um, wanted. And they connected. And they were basically, like, work wife, work husband kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where it was, like, they just got each other. They were co-stars. They had really good chemistry. Um You know, Christopher Walken is still with the wife that he was with at this time, and so clearly she wasn't as intimidated by it, um, but it really um, made RJ super jealous. Um, Of course. He did not like the fact that they were so close. Um, I mean, remember what we were talking about Warren Beatty? Like, let's amp that up Mm -hmm. to a 10, because, like, this is marriage number two, and, like, he was so, so controlling. So, um... During the Thanksgiving holiday of 1981, the East Coast filming of Brainstorm had wrapped. And Natalie and RJ were going back out to California, spending time with their family on the Splendor. And they were like, oh, Christopher Walken is just alone in his hotel because they're about to start filming in L.A. Like, he must be so lonely without his wife. Why don't we we invite him onto the Splendor? And we'll be, like, super friendly and low-key and we'll have a great time. Now, I don't know if that was Natalie who suggested that or if it was RJ in a really, like, sneaky, like, yeah, like, let me bring my enemy closer. Let me bring him. um, I want to keep an eye on this guy and and see for myself what's going on. So a lot of this, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about next is really going to be getting into the weekend and and the death of Natalie Wood. (laughs) Um, And a lot of it is according to Captain um, Dennis Deverne. So... A lot of his accounts have been changed in recent years because of his, like, um, huge amount of guilt that he's had about the weekend of mm-hmm. this event. And um, so things like stories definitely change. We don't know if he's being, like, driven by money and the, the want to get a story out. But I think he was just driven by immense guilt and he wants his slate clean and justice to come for Natalie Wood as m- much as possible. We get onto the boat, we get onto the splendor uh, during Thanksgiving weekend of uh, 1981. So we have Robert J. Wagner, we have Christopher Walken, we have Natalie Wood, and we have Captain DeVern. These are the only people that are on, on the boat the entire time. So Dennis said that there was a huge air of tension with RJ. RJ was peacocking the whole time. He just being like, ooh, look at my boat. Look at these windows. Like, very, like, just everything was just like, look at what I have and you don't. Like, this is, the, let me shove it in your face, Christopher Walken. And Christopher Walken's like, oh, okay, like, cool. That was my Christopher
0: Walken impression. <laughs>
1: so at some point in the day they're on the, on the boat in Catalina and Christopher Walken, RJ, and Natalie took the little Valiant to the shore of Avalon, Catalina, on Catalina Island and started bar hopping shopping like crazy and just getting hoisted and they ended the day at El Galleon and I gotta tell you Maddie I have been to El Galleon totally. I have been to this place that mm-hmm. was one of the last places that Natalie Wood was seen alive and thriving. Um yeah. it is this little it's it's like a it's like a beachfront type of bar. It's like a of German course. kind of inspired place. When I was there, uh it was a I got wasted at this place because the beers were like the size of my head. They were huge. I remember and I got to tell you it was like one of these days where it was me, my husband Gabe and our friend Caleb and I think his then girlfriend and another friend Caroline like it was just ship people Mm -hmm. on our one day off a week Mm -hmm. or one afternoon off it wasn't even a full day and we just got wasted at this little spot and would you know I may have been sitting exactly where Natalie Wood was sitting Chills. isn't that wild
0: I love it tiny world
1: because like I was watching this documentary and and I was like El Galleon I was like I I wonder. And I looked and I was like, that's the place. So on it's our social media, place. I will be putting, yes. we will be putting the pictures Pick. of um, Al yes. Galeon because beesh, we'll have to. it's wild. We'll have to. So um, so they get wasted, having a great time. And they head back to the boat via the galley, the via the Valiant, a little dinghy. And the waters were super rough. In Catalina, the, the waters like... Pacific Ocean, they're always rough, but like in Catalina, I always remember like our tender boats, like we were always rocking and rolling. It was, mm-hmm. it was crazy because the winds pick up a lot down there mm-hmm. and it was just always really windy and the waters were always choppy. It was beautiful, but it was always choppy. And Natalie starts panicking because dark water and, um... And she's just, like, she doesn't even want to get back onto the splendor. Like, she's just, like, she just has a very bad feeling. And meanwhile, before she even left, like, her youngest daughter even, like, had this, like, freak out. Kind of, like, please don't go on the boat, Mom. Like, please don't go. Please don't go on the boat this weekend. So that was probably in the back of her mind, too, of just, like, this impending doom. And she's also drunk, and, like, everybody else is. So I'm sure that anxieties may have been even higher. So since the waters were getting too rough for the boat, uh, there was a there was a decision to move the splendor, but an argument broke out between Natalie and RJ either about moving the boat, which is like weird, like I don't know why there would be an argument about moving the boat. But there's a, there's talks that maybe it was allegedly more about Christopher Walken and just like maybe comments being made about Christopher Walken, so it may have been more about him and and RJ's uh, jealousy of him. But regardless, a fight had broke out. And it was so bad that the captain like basically like was just he basically went to Christopher Walken's room who had gone to um, he had gone to his cabin because he was feeling seasick. And he was just like, hey, like they're fighting upstairs. We need to move this boat. Can you help me? Like, can you help me like navigate it? And Christopher Walken said, and this is what makes me question Christopher Walken and all of this, just because I think this is just a strange mm-hmm. thing to say. He goes, Never get involved in an argument between a husband and his wife. And then he went back to sleep. And it just doesn't sit well with me.
0: No, not at all. It
1: never has, and it just doesn't.
0: It sounds written. It sounds fake. It Like, it sounds like something you'd think of as an after effect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it just doesn't. Ugh.
1: So, um, mm-hmm. within an hour of, of the three Christopher Walken, RJ, and Natalie coming back from the island and having a great time... Um, Within an hour, which was around 11 p.m., um, Natalie told Deverne that she wanted off the boat, and that all the fighting between her and RJ was too much, and he takes, and Deverne takes her back to Avalon. So basically, as soon as she gets back on the boat, she's like, I want to go back to the, I want to go back to the shore. And she brings a duffel bag with all of, with a lot of her stuff, and she's wearing um, a red quilted, uh, a red quilted down jacket that uh we will hear more about in a little bit so they go to the galleon and they find they find out that the next shuttle boat to the mainland in california so she basically like she's like i want out this trip i want to go back to the mainland i don't even want to be an avalon anymore but there were no more boats there were no more like shuttle of course, boats that of night course. so um so they check into a motel and it's not like one of these like creepy motels it's a nice motel mm-hmm. well they had gone to the galleon first and gotten drunk yet again and um, Deverne and Natalie go to a motel and they basically stay up all night just talking and Natalie is basically she's she sees deverne as as a confidant she really trusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this captain, they're lifelong friends. RJ's actually not jealous of him in any way, I feel like, because it's probably like a brotherly, sisterly type of relationship. So it's interesting. It's very interesting that this specific person he doesn't find a threat. Um, but meanwhile, he's being so intimate with her in like hearing her soul and hearing how unhappy she is, which is like that's more intimate than like flirting with someone on a set. Like it's very oh, interesting to me. A thousand
0: percent. A thousand percent.
1: But he was like, he was such a good friend of hers. And I didn't really read anything that like he was gonna try anything. Like they literally stayed yeah. up all night talking and they were just wasted. But like, they like she, he's he's like, nothing happened. Like we she was just talking to me all night. And she was saying that she wanted out of this relationship, that she was done and that she really wanted to go back uh, to the mainland. But however, the weird thing is, is that none of this was told to the police In the first interview that all of the men had with... Huh. Yeah. So, according to their first interview, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but just to put it in the back of your mind, RJ, uh, Christopher Walken, and Captain Duvern, they said that everybody stayed on the Splendor that night and that nobody went to the mainland. However... Their stories changed, especially because all these people from the mainland were like, I saw you. I gave you your room key. Like, these uh-huh. thi- Like we have proof that they were there. So that was just a very strange, like, why would you lie about that? What's uh-huh. the point of that lie? But regardless, um, Natalie had said, like, I want to go home. I want to be out of here. And then by the time that they met up at the dock where um, where the shuttle boat would be, and it's like this big kind of, like, shuttle boat. It's not small. Uh-huh. Um, she was just like, you know what? No, I, I'd rather take a plane. And they're like, okay, well, we can't get a plane yet. And so she was like, okay, we'll just go back to the Splendor until we figure out what we're going to do next. So they go back to the Splendor. Everyone's back on the Splendor this next. I think them staying in Avalon that was a Friday, so I think that this is Saturday. Okay. And they get up, They get back onto the boat, and it's like eerie because they never talk about, nobody talks about what had happened the night before (laughs) nobody talks about the tensions nobody talks about the fights nobody talks about anything if anything like Natalie gets back on the on the boat and she's like making her famous breakfast for everyone and kind of being the doting wife again and it's very odd but again it's we've got different accounts of what's happening (laughs) so they did decide to finally move the boat out of this kind of more like populated area that has tourists and stuff like that to a more secluded part of Avalon Um, or Catalina Island. And this area was called Two Harbors. And this is very, very secluded, like one restaurant, one dock, like all that kind of stuff. And so by different accounts, Natalie and Christopher Walken wanted to go to this restaurant in this secluded area. According to RJ, he was fishing, and they said, oh, we're going to go on shore. And he was like, oh, my God, that's such a great idea. Have a great time, you two. Like, I'm not a boring husband. I'm a cool, chill husband. Like, just go have a great time, and I'll meet up with you later. But according to Captain Deverne, that is not what happened at all. He said that both he and RJ uh, both went to their separate cabins and napped after they moved the boat to, to harbors. And Natalie and Christopher Watkins went to went back to the island by boat taxi by themselves and just left a note saying like where to meet them. So they were alone oh. drinking on the island by oh. themselves. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so like they get that note. They decide to go meet them. And it's like as soon as they get to the restaurant, like tensions are high everybody's drinking, like, lots of wine, lots of cocktails. Mm-hmm. Natalie's saying how much, and Natalie's, like, kind of complaining about everything, and I don't think that was very common of her. Like, she hated mm-hmm. the food, so she said, I'll just drink my food. So she was literally just, like, huh. she so she didn't even have that much in her system. And she's a tiny woman to begin with, so mm-hmm. it's, like, I'm sure mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. I'm sure it didn't take too much for her to be, to get very intoxicated. And everybody is. So around 10 p.m., the party makes their way back to the Valiant for the night, but the restaurant manager was like, Y'all are really fucking wasted and was concerned and so he let the harbor uh the harbor control, which I guess was kind of like a police, um, just know that they were going back to the boat, and he was just like, just make sure that they get back to their boat safely. Um so they get back to the boat, they get back to the Splendor, and according to Christopher Walken, he said he had a slight disagreement with RJ. But DeVerne is just like, nah, like it wasn't a slight disagreement. Um, it was a huge fight. And our and meanwhile RJ's like, Oh, it was just about politics and it wasn't. It was about Natalie and it was about his insecurities of of Christopher Walken. And um And Christopher Walken apparently was trying to defend Natalie and her career. How RJ felt that Natalie was away from the children too much and from the home. And she was focusing too much on her career and herself. And Christopher Walken was just like, hey, like, that's the job of an actor. Like, we have to be away from things. Like, you know this. Like, you have to be away from things. You have to sacrifice some things. And she's good. Years later, Deverne finally, like, said that during this argument, RJ grabs a bottle of wine. And I want to say it was like a full bottle of wine. He smashes it and holds it to Christopher Walken and says, what are you trying to do? Fuck my wife? And it was just like, whoa. Whoa, hunty. Whoa. Whoa, honey.
0: That's mighty big words from a maybe gay husband.
1: And Christopher Walken was just like, I also feel like the need to say Christopher Walken's entire name. So... I'm like, yeah. I feel of like I'm Of course, I said Christopher, Walken. Christopher
0: Walken. He's Christopher Walken. <laughs> that's just, that's the, it's, it's, it, he's Christopher Walken.
1: <laughs> so Christopher Walken is just like, I am not taking this on. He goes, absolutely not. And he goes back down to his room. And apparently, mm-hmm. he is never seen again for the rest of the night, for the rest of the tale. But Natalie is like so embarrassed by this. She witnessed this fight and she's just like, this is my career. This is a professional connection I have. Like, how dare you? So she leaves and goes to her cabin. And according to RJ, he's like, oh, she just went to go do her woman things. And that she didn't come back upstairs for, like, her ritualistic, like, saying good night to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, after getting ready for bed, she just, like, went to bed. And, um, and then after that, he was like, oh, that's so odd. And he goes to check in on her. But according to DeVerne, he says, no, no, no. After that moment of Natalie being very embarrassed, RJ followed her directly back to the room, and they started fighting loudly. Things were being thrown. They were raising their voices. And in a little while, Deverne went back to check in on him just to make sure that, like, Natalie was okay because he was concerned. But he didn't really know what his boundaries were in terms of, like, when do I go down? Is this just an argument? Like, everybody's wasted like I, I, I'm wasted like they just everybody was kind of going through it and didn't quite know what to do but eventually the fighting subsided so we did go down and check in and to see if Natalie was okay and then when he did that he noticed that they weren't in their room and he says he saw RJ standing near the swimming platform looking into the water and RJ turns and sees Vernon, and goes I can't find Natalie anywhere and the dinghy is missing. We've just had a big fight that's subsided. And all of a sudden, Natalie is missing. So Deverne knew that she wouldn't go into the dinghy by herself. Mm-hmm. Beware dark water There's and all. There's
0: no way. There is no way. Absolutely There's not. no way.
1: And he was insistent. He was like, we got to get the searchlights on to find her. Um, and we got to, we got to start calling out. We got to start calling Coast Guard. Like, maybe she's in the water. And he was just like, no, no, no. Better not. RJ was just like, no, we'll find her. You know what, actually, let's sit down. Let's have a drink and we'll figure things out. Let's have some scotch. So they start drinking scotch. And DeVerne is just like, we we gotta start calling people, we gotta start calling people. And he's just getting more and more scared for Natalie and her whereabouts. And he just had this gut suspicion of RJ, because RJ is just like, no, just keep drinking the drink. We'll figure it out. And he just had this feeling, he was just like, I don't wanna be the next missing person on this boat. <sighs> So survival instincts kick in, and he's listening yep. to RJ.
0: I'll take red flags for a 1,000, Alex. Uh, red, red flags, flags, flags for 1,000.
1: Red flags for a
0: 1,000. <sighs> oh, my
1: uh, God. So, by, so this is around 1045. Mm-hmm. So 1045 to midnight. RJ knew Natalie was missing, and he's insisting on doing nothing. A few, t- a few boats nearby also noticed some suspicious behavior happening. Um, one boat that had some of their friends on them, this guy named Warren Archer, uh, said that they were pretty close to the Splendor and asked, uh, earlier in the night or no, they asked, they called in around like 11 and were like, Hey guys, like we're having like this super cool party on our boat. Like, do you want to come by? And RJ was just like, no, no, we're good. We don't want to come by. But like this guy was saying how he heard like fighting in the background. So he's like, he thinks he heard Natalie like yelling to some respect, um, but at this time, so this must have been before 1045, um, because he said, at that time, I did still see the dinghy attached to the Splendor. So Natalie was most likely on the boat, and the splen- and the dinghy was still attached to the boat. Um, another instance where a couple other boaters nearby, last name the Waynes, a married couple and their son, were on their boat called the Capricorn.
0: Bruce Wayne? Yeah. Bruce Wayne. Wayne. This is Batman. Batman did it. Uh, orge, <laughs> Batman origin killed story. Natalie Wood. Another origin <laughs> Batman story. <killed> Natalie Wood. <laughs> so
1: this boat was like super close. It was 80 feet nearby. Like that's a very close. That's very close in my opinion.
0: Very very close.
1: Um, and they and they said that they woke up to a woman screaming in the water, calling out for help, saying, "I'm drowning! I'm drowning! Like someone, please help me!" And like. Immediately, they're like, "Okay, you go look outside. Try to find her. I'm gonna call people. Like, I'm gonna try to call the, not the Coast Guard, but like that that the the guy that helped them onto the ship before. It was kind of like the local
0: yeah
1: coast police guy." Um, the woman couldn't see her anywhere, but she kept hearing like she kept hearing her call out, and she's just like, "Where are you? Tell me where you are. Like, where are you? Where are you yelling from?" But they couldn't find, they couldn't hear her. They they could only hear her, like her distant voice or a distant voice of a woman who they suspect was Natalie. But the woman also said that she's like, I did also hear the voices of men. And she's like, I'm not sure if it was men from the same boat or from a different boat saying, oh yeah, we'll save you. Don't worry, we're totally coming in to help you. And it was very sarcastic and they were laughing at her. And years later, this would be backed up by this woman's son. So, from eleven, so from around like eleven oh five to eleven twenty five, this woman is calling out for help, and the Waynes are trying to call Harbor Patrol, but they're like not ans- Harbor Patrol's like not answering, and then around eleven twenty five, the cries for help dissipate and then completely stop. And so, finally, back on the boat, back on the Splendor, around one thirty a.m. RJ finally decides, all right, I guess we'll call someone. And he sends out an SOS on the radio for a missing person. He doesn't call Harbor Patrol. He doesn't call Coast Guard. He doesn't call Baywatch, which apparently is a thing. I thought that was just show. It is a show. real
0: thing. It is an absolutely real
1: thing. <laughs> I was just like, it's like Baywatch. Oh, my gosh. Um, but he just calls into the ether of the radio saying missing person. So, since authorities aren't called, it's just locals. Locals who are either in boats nearby, locals who are either, like, on the island. Everybody's looking for Natalie. But then they're just, like, um, they're checking the restaurant. They're going to the Splendor to get an idea of what happened. But no authorities are being called. Meanwhile, numerous people are coming onto the boat. Hence, more DNA is coming onto the boat. More mixing up of DNA. Like, I just thought of that now. It's like, of course he would bring different people onto the boat.
0: Well, cool. and this is even pre-DNA testing. This yeah. is like prints. Like, you're already going to have a hard enough time finding prints on a boat. But, like, once you start selling it up with anybody, and this is a time where, like, somebody's smoking, and so they're going to ash, and they're mm-hmm. going to walk through a blood stain and exactly. all these things. This is, you know, not that long. I mean, really, if we're talking about it, 40 years ago, like, 40 years ago, but, like, how far, you know, crime scene forensics have come.
1: Oh, yeah crazy it's crazy how much it's it's evolved so these locals are really doing their best but they have they they really have no idea what they're doing they're just trying to look around for her and it's not their fault and they also have no idea of Natalie's fears of water wagner didn't tell anybody that she couldn't swim and that the chances of her taking the dinghy by herself in this dark cold choppy water of catalina is the, the chances are so slim so the harbor master has finally gotten a hold of, and when he gets to the Splendor to investigate, um, everyone is just like, everyone, I think everyone including is like RJ, Christopher Walken, Deverne, like Captain Devern, like they're all just sitting around drinking around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, very strange. Nobody's looking, nobody's being actively like trying to find her. Um, and this, this is when RJ finally relays that, like, Natalie has a fear of the water. And he's like, you know what? I actually doubt that she'd even be in the dinghy. Just thought, like, I, he was just like, but, you know, the dinghy was gone and she was gone. So I just figured maybe, allegedly, that's where she is. And, everybody, and everybody's like, what is, what is happening? Like, literally, what is happening? But RJ just keeps insisting. He's like, no, don't bring the authorities into it. Like, we're high profile. I don't want this to get out, especially if nothing happens. So, like, please, Harbor Master, like, don't call anybody. And the Harbor Master's like, um, Hunty, we're going to call someone. I won't include your names in the file, but, like, we're calling someone. So, finally, by 3.30 in the morning, Coast Guard is finally called. And then at 5.15, Baywatch is called. So that is six, at least six hours of her being gone and nobody knows where she is and gone and nobody looking for her properly.
0: And let's be honest with water that moves the way that the water in that area does. She's (laughs) she is miles away at this point.
1: Well, divers were finally brought in. We got experts in Mm -hmm. and come morning they found the valiant and the valiant was found tangled up in kelp near this little cave. Baywatch goes in and they pull it out and they're swimming with it and they notice that the key is in the off position, the oars have not been moved, they're not in like the rowing position, um, and it just didn't look like someone was had even been inside it. And by 7:45, actually only a mile away from the Splendor, Natalie is found by an aerial team in a helicopter. And trigger warning: this is very this is very sad. She's found floating. Just below the surface, she's only wearing a flannel nightgown, blue wool socks, and that red quilted jacket that I mentioned earlier. And that's honestly the only reason that they could see her, because the red is what picked up, like, is what um, made them see her from, from the air. Of course, RJ was not able to identify the body because he was so overtaken with grief, so Captain Deverne is actually the one who identifies Natalie's body. The man couldn't even get the courage to look at her. And for I'm just going to say I in my opinion, I think it was RJ. And um <laughs> and he he can't even like look at her. This woman that he said he was loved so much. So LAPD is finally called in um from the mainland and they just like straight up drop the ball. They just dropped the ball completely on this case because they were so. Oh, the
0: LAPD in the 1980s dropping the fucking ball. There's a goddamn shocker. I know. Holy shit. I am blown the fuck away that the LAPD can't do their goddamn jobs. I
1: know. Just like they're so they're just so (laughs) good. So they were they were completely starstruck because of the people that they were involved with. And then they just basically called it an accidental drowning. Not only did their initial interview last a grand total of six minutes with RJ and Christopher walking and captain, Um. but they also allowed the men to have like a private little moment. And RJ was just like, Hey, like, I got to talk to my girls for a second. Like, we'll be like right back with you LAPD. But like, just like, give us a minute inside these closed doors. And the LAPD let them do it. They let them talk amongst themselves. So, RJ could help all of the men get a story together. Absolutely Allegedly.
0: Not. Absolutely not. No, 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 no.
1: So, they bring in a coroner, um, a coroner to the stars, which I did not know was a thing. Talk about niching down.
0: Um, well, I'm sure.
1: So, uh, this coroner's sure. name is Thomas uh, Noguchi, who was f- famously known for doing um, the coroner on Marilyn Monroe's case, John- Janice Joplin. And many others. Um, he was a bit of a, a bit of a fame whore, in my opinion. He was, and he completely disregarded so many red flags about the condition of Natalie's body. And he basically was just like, "Nope, it was a drowning. It was a drowning." Because money talks, and he knew he'd get. That's whatever. why
0: he's the corner to the stars.
1: Exactly. So here's the theory of what they thought happened. There was a fight. You know, disagreements happen. However, the wine bottle that we talked about earlier of RJ smashing it had only broken because it was a super rocky night. And in the middle of the night, they concluded, they were like, you know what, Natalie couldn't sleep due to the sound of the dinghy hitting the side of the Splendor over and over again. So she went out to secure it. And in the midst of that, she must have fallen and slipped off the, the swimming the swimming jump-off point. And she hit her head and she drowned. Now, according to the toxicology report in the coroner, Said that she had a very high blood alcohol level of 0.14, which I think is pretty high. Um, mm-hmm. She also had a few medications in her stomach. She of had a painkiller. Um, she also had seasickness medication, and then a couple of other ones which I didn't get the name of. But she, so she, but they weren't quite dissolved. So they had recently been taken by the time that she was in mm-hmm. the water. However. She also had many bruises on her arms and her legs and mm-hmm. abrasions on her face and near her temple. And, you know, the police just said that they, that was um, linked to her trying to get back into the dinghy when she fell into the water. Now, mind you, why would a woman who is so afraid of water, who falls into water, try to get into something as unstable as a dinghy? Why wouldn't she just go right back to where she had fallen off from and climb up?
0: Because if it was the swimming point, there had to have been a ladder.
1: Yeah, there
0: was a ladder. Right? It's, it's almost as if she, you know, fell off that swimming point unconscious. Right, I mean, I'll, I'll let you keep going. I mean, I'll let you keep going. We'll we'll chat. We'll, I
1: mean. I got
0: some dots after. <laughs> I mean.
1: So, um, so they thought that she was like, had fallen in trying to reconnect the dinghy back to the Splendor, which is just utter horseshit. So the case was reopened, and so it was like closed. They're like accidental drowning, closed case. Let's move on. We had the funeral, so sad. Um, but the case was reopened in 2011 on their 30 around the 30 year anniversary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the new coroner said that she believed that the bruises. She, mind you, she was just like, uh-uh, absolutely not. Thank you. We need women sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that the bruises. That she believed that the bruises were there long before Natalie went into the water. Because, um, yes, post-mortem bruising occurs, but according to this coroner, the bruises had were developed enough that it's begged to ask, like, who put them on her? And okay. and were they possibly there before the weekend even started? Were they continuous bruises that had been there from um, continuous, like, assaults, a bru- okay. uh, uh, attacks from possibly her husband? Because of also the way that, that the bruise had developed, it was like that bruise has been there for a while. It didn't mm-hmm. just show up in the past five minutes. And also with the cold water, like mm-hmm. the cold water is, is going to make bruising slower. It's not as because the the temperature of the body and stuff like that, it's not going to let the blood develop into a bruise mm-hmm. that quickly. Another friend of RJ, because RJ had a lot of friends in the business, remember, was part of the investigation. He was uh, a senior coroner investigator for the LA County. And he, he wrote a report that, su- that supported the LAPD's report um, and said that, like, you know, she, there were scratches on the side of the dinghy. And that was, that was shown to say that, like, she was trying to get back in and that's where the bruises came from. However, they never checked to see what was underneath Natalie's fingernails. They never checked to see if there were fragments of the dinghy, which if she had, if she had been scratching at the dinghy, there would be fragment. There would be something. And her, there.
0: her fingers would be destroyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. destroyed. Absolutely. She wouldn't, she probably
1: wouldn't have even had nails by the end of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like, that's like the first thing I feel like you check. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know back then, but like that in my mind just goes, that's the first thing you check. RJ flies back to Beverly Hills to see the girls and he brings, diver- he brings the captain with him. 'Cause he's like, I d I don't want you out of my sight. And he actually, like, at first of him was like, Oh, it's kind of nice to like be with you to like be um, an emotional support for you in a weird way. But then he actually like was imprisoned in their house because he was like, You are not leaving without me knowing exactly where you're going, without me knowing okay. exactly who you're talking to. He was literally guarded by security guards for a year.
0: Wow, it sounds like we just have a third verse and chorus of motherfucking red flags. Yes, red flags everywhere.
1: As Bailey Sarian would say, suspicious Very
0: suspicious. Suspicious.
1: But like I said, the case was closed uh, with this theory. They have the funeral for Natalie, and from then on out, like RJ, just like treats Natalie's entire family like shit. Like of course he was left everything in the will we didn't really discuss it but like of course of course like he's left everything in the will and out of the two of them natalie was the one who was making the most money Mm -hmm. we didn't really talk about it but rj had a lot of money issues he had a lot of debts to pay and she helped him pay off a lot of them Mm -hmm. but like that just is such a huge motive Mm -hmm. for him you know like how is that not a huge motive a huge red flag So as I said, 2011, um, the case is reopened mainly because the captain was just like, I lied about a lot. I'm feeling so much guilt. We have to talk about like we don't talk about Bruno like we're talking about Bruno right now. Um, And so in 2018, um, like this case is still open now. And in 2018, Mm -hmm. RJ finally, after him writing his memoir, like he wrote a memoir where he literally said, oh, yeah, I broke the glass bottle out of an argument like he he just like defaced the lie that he said to the police Mm -hmm. like he just brought it out and finally in 2018 RJ becomes a person of interest he's not a suspect but he's a person of interest and so he's not technically he technically doesn't have to do anything but he refuses to talk to the police he continues he has not spoken to the police he will not give comments he'll only do very specific like interviews like he like with his daughter like he'll do stuff with her but I'm like clearly that's biased like it's your daughter of course like she's going to like have empathy for you mm-hmm. um, but another thing that was like so interesting that they wouldn't talk about was that like that makes people go was she even did she even die of a drowning like or was she was she dead before she was even put into the water because something, this one specific thing that made me go, oh, my God, Like, how are people not talking about this more? Is that her stomach, when, a, when the newer coroner uh, investigated like, what, they, what they did, it was reported that she had 300 cc's of urine in her system. And when you're drowning, your body's going into fight-or-flight mode. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that much fear of, of life or death, your you body pee. is going to exhume. You pee. You pee. Yeah. You shit yourself. Like, it just happens. Mm-hmm. It's a survival mechanism. And so for them to bring her body out of the water and she is, has a full bladder just says that, like, her brain wasn't signaling to the rest of her body to let that go.
0: She also famously did not have water in her lungs, wasn't it? What well, didn't at one point? Didn't they also say that it was something like the dry, like that aspect of dry drowning, where like you get a little water in, <laughs> and then your body thinks you're drowning, but you're not? Because I thought there was just something, and again, it's just because there's so much yeah. out there. But I thought at one point someone said that there was not even any liquid in her lungs to signify that when she hit the the water that she was still breathing.
1: I didn't read that, but I would not. Be surprised. Be shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Mm -hmm. And so, literally, somebody knows something, and it might we might never know the full truth Mm -hmm. because this case is still open. Christopher Walken is keeping a very tight lip. I cannot imagine that that man did not hear one thing. It's not that big of a boat. Mm -hmm.
0: If she was, if she was so distraught because of the sound of the dinghy mm-hmm. think about it They three days of drinking constantly walk in already can't control himself like if he's seasick mm-hmm. any like he would have been the most affected by the sound and yeah. he never brought it up once he never discussed it and obviously the captain would not be bothered by something as he light wasn't. as a dinghy yeah tapping I mean if anything he's probably used to sleeping through fights at this point so yeah. like Am I have to ask you, what do you think happened?
1: I think, I think a, f- a fight, a really strong physical altercation mm-hmm. broke out, and I think that there was blunt force trauma to her head.
0: Mm-hmm. And the I the temple, her temple, literally the temple, and that could
1: literally happen in an instant. I mm-hmm. I don't think he, I don't think it was premeditated in terms of mm-hmm. I'm going to do this tonight, but I think. In his hot rage, he threw something at her or hit her. Mm-hmm. And she she went down. And maybe she was unconscious. Maybe she wasn't mm-hmm. dead in the moment. But I think he freaked out. And he, he got rid of her. And yep. I hate saying that. It makes me feel disgusting saying that. But like, I think he was like, this is my solution to this issue. And nobody... And and she couldn't swim, so this is a perfect alibi. But I don't think we'll ever know the truth until, I mean, RJ is ninety two, um, Christopher Walken seventy eight, Devern is seventy three. Like maybe on his deathbed, if he has any like empathy in his fucking soul, he might say what the truth is. Uh-huh. But um, but yeah, I think it was in a moment of true white hot rage Mm -hmm. of and drinking. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I don't think she was alive when she went into the water.
0: I don't think so. Well, I, you know, I do also the thing there is the other family that swears they heard her and then there's that and then there's that. Now, but but also if you think about it, you can be unconscious, but even in California, that water is going to be chilly when they hit it mm-hmm. in a November, so she could have been unconscious and then woke up in the water True. freaking out. True. I'm going to tell you honestly what I think. Please do. I think there is some validity to the rumors that there was a queer storyline to RJ. Mm-hmm. Um walk was a softer masculine energy. I did read about a this no, I wasn't sure, So please come, come, come. So, well, I'm not even, and I don't want to smear, shmia. I don't want to smear. Cause what I'm thinking is at this point, maybe when RJ and Wood got back together, there was an understanding mm-hmm. the second time around, or, um, there's a thing, but also in most situations of, of spousal abuse, the biggest violent moment works up to that. So there are little things that start. So I'm wondering if literally the day before, because Walkin and RJ do seem to get along. RJ seemed to be showboating, not just to like make him feel bad, but also to make himself look really great. I'm wondering if there was a mutual attraction from both partners Mm -hmm. in the coupling to Walken.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and it wasn't like discussed.
1: The jealousy was like, I want him.
0: And uh, well, and I'm thinking, Passing. what happened the day before is RJ maybe tried to put the moves on. Mm-hmm. Walken was like, "Ma'am, that's not my thing." Or maybe it was his thing. Who knows? But then also maybe Natalie was also his thing, yeah. and RJ. Got really resentful that maybe Natalie was trying to like put her bid in for mm-hmm. for the land grab, if you will, and Walken was far the more intrigued ground. in that. And so by the time that they get back, that is what RJ has talked himself into this tizzy that again, if no one can, if if no one can have her, if she's not a hundred percent his mm-hmm. kind of deal. And so and that's why I, I feel mean, like you
1: can't introduce that type of relationship into your yep. love life nope. if you're not completely secure in
0: yourself, yep yep it only well, leads and to danger. All, well, and I'm pretty sure the captain is not married like so I'm wondering if maybe there is a camaraderie mm. of of that aspect of the relationship of that there wasn't a physical relationship there, but like there was he didn't feel threatened because he didn't know if the captain, you know, he obviously didn't think the captain was going to be going after Natalie. Um, it's just so strange
1: that Christopher Walken is literally so
0: tight-lipped yep. about all of this. I, like,
1: allegedly, these are this is, of course, just oh, our opinion, but
0: like... Okay, but also, like, how catastrophic would it be? I mean, because he's at the point where he does whatever he wants with his career. Mm-hmm. He never has to work again if he doesn't want to, but he can also do hairspray, like hairspray and gre- uh, Peter Pan live because mm-hmm. he's Chris Walken and he's in his, eight, his 70s now. So, like, who cares? But I'm sorry if it came out that you knew exactly what happened in Adley Wood and you've been silent for 40 years. He would have no career left. He would have no life left. It Mm -hmm. would ruin his family. It would ruin any legacy. He could not step into public again. But I swear to God, if RJ dies before the two of the other men do, we're going to find something out. The captain, I can't, (laughs) because also we talk about how RJ, if he did this, which he obviously did, took away, a wife a mother a, a child a sister mm-hmm. a star a literal icon because you also have to think about Natalie's fans and while they are not a part of her life the moment you're a celebrity your status mm-hmm. of you know it's it's like anytime like when Robin Williams dies none of us were connected to him other than being touched by his art exactly. but like we were ruined for months mm-hmm. because of it you know we have this connection to stars it is this idea of the star machine um But, you know, it's this this was a really rough time because people still weren't coming out. And then 81 was when the AIDS crisis hit really bad, especially in L.A. And And so there's so many,
1: especially even going off that, like there's just conspiracies that like Reagan mm -hmm. knew about this like that RJ is friends with Reagan.
0: Well of course he was because they came up in Hollywood mm-hmm. at the same time and that's in- the whole thing is even at the end of the day if you look at RJ he's a big fucking dude. Yeah. Like he is masculine he is large and he was older than her but also like I agree with you 100% the bruises had to be there before the the before the, the ship. It's one of those things that like she probably didn't think of again it's better the devil you know yep. than the devil you don't. You're not thinking twice about oh will he bruise me But it's just because he grabbed my arm because I was falling down because I was too drunk. But why are you too drunk? Why are you on pills? It's that thing of like, I'm not blaming Natalie because she had substance abuse issues. All women at this point had substance abuse issues because the men and and because of her family and her trauma. And that's the thing is maybe she connected with Walken because literally when traumatic events happen to you, you are frozen psychologically. So there were many aspects. They always said that Natalie was so youthful. It's probably because psychologically she was still tied to those moments of trauma of the studio system and as a young actress so like there's just so much there to unpack that of course she like felt connected with a younger actor and she didn't
1: like she grew up we didn't get I didn't get to go into it so much because there's so much info but like she grew up not really getting to experience what real unconditional love was mm -hmm. like her love for her that was shown to her was truly transactional between her Mm -hmm. mother and her and her father was like he was kind when he was sober, but he was yeah. very he was very violent when he was drunk. And so that was also like maybe alcoholism is was in her family. And of so course it was. So love, yeah. like so maybe if RJ was the devil that you know, like at least she understood it and it wasn't too dangerous because she mm-hmm. had experienced other danger and she's like, Well, this must be what love is. I did read that, like, she didn't really learn what love could be until she had a child of her own. And so Mm -hmm. that's why like later in her life, she's like, wasn't putting, I think that's why she started to fight back more because she was like, no, I Mm -hmm. know what love is because I feel it for my children and Mm -hmm. I'm not putting up with this. And I think that was a threat to RJ. Mm
0: -hmm. Also the world had changed so much. Fandom had changed Mm -hmm. the aspects. I mean, (laughs) even if just think of the difference between when she filled filmed West side story to 25 years later when she was filming, um, uh, the, the this new picture like the Hollywood machine had changed so much and while yeah. it still wasn't looking out for the actor in the best but it's like uh, there is a dark deep circle of, of the worst part of hell for people like RJ Absolutely. because even even if he didn't do it and even if it was an accident because it doesn't make it right but accident if if you could have just said it was an accident yeah and taken some responsibility, because even then nobody would have still believed him, we would still be having this conversation. But like, also, the key is off, the oar is in the boat. She was nowhere near the body, because, hear me out, if she fell out of the dinghy, Mm -hmm. would she also not be caught up in the kelp? Thank you. Thank you. Like there are just these little things that I don't even have the biggest conspiracy theory brain, but like the red string is like the red string is just hanging out of my mouth in that situation. It's just like, it is there. It is literally being handed to yeah, us. It's, and it's kind of and cut and he, dry
1: of like, this is yeah. not an accidental drowning. And they just blame it on the fact oh she's a woman and she was drunk. <sighs> Women can't handle their drink. Uh, I think that woman could pretty much handle her drink with the amount of drinks I heard she was drinking. Sounded well,
0: like RJ the couldn't is, handle his. Couldn't handle his. It's true. And it's, you know, in jealousy. But it's also those things that's like, how many people go on a three-day bender anymore? Or, like, make that part of mm-hmm. life? Like, it's just, it's also just, it's luxury, it's status. Because didn't he also have a gambling issue? Yeah. Wasn't that part of his money? So, like... He owed, he owed,
1: I, the, he owed the studio so much money. His first yeah. divorce was so expensive. So, like, Natalie was literally paying off for all of
0: that. Yeah. And there's just so, so it's just so, like he owed people money from uh, two studios that no longer existed at that <laughs> point and had been bought by other com- like, oh, like it's it's so sad. But like, honestly, he owes the world. He owes his children. Mm-hmm. He owes his family. He owes Christopher Walken and the captain an explanation in that. Like, honestly, at this point, he her spirit deserves to rest because like we're lucky oh, that they're haunting
1: the shit out of him.
0: I hope she's haunting him because like honestly otherwise like I've never heard because didn't he also get rid of the boat right after too
1: pretty much and he got married yeah. he got remarried pretty much after pretty very soon after and he's still with this woman she's probably got some well. stories
0: mm-hmm. but I also am sure she's been t- well oh, I yeah. mean if if she, if he received all of Natalie's money Oh I'm sure she so good. It too. You did such a good job. Thank that was you. I know I must have missed phenomenal. out on so
1: much, but I tried. <gasps> but there's
0: there this is one of those things that again we could do series after series yes. after series after series about this. Um you know it's 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 oh man like you could just discuss for years and still not hit every yeah. aspect of of this.
1: And so that was that was the mysterious death of Natalie Wood may she rest in peace
0: oh, may she rest in peace um, good Lord. my
1: sources today were um, most of my sources came from a three-part Natalie Wood series by Stephanie 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 Harlow on YouTube she's an incredible true crime um, I would like to say investigative journalist on YouTube uh, her things are very well researched I so I trusted it um, a 48hour special on CBS called Natalie Wood Dark a death in dark water and natalie wood american murder mystery how are we all feeling
0: I, I, this is one of those things that i always feel like i could still talk about it but i also feel like i need like a hug and a cup of tea virtual and just hug. like sit there virtual, virtual, hug. virtual hugs virtual virtual hugs to everyone out there virtual hugs uh, loves but thanks for joining us for episode two. If you are just finding us because you have a Natalie Wood proclivity, or I'm sure I'm going to end up calling this episode "Dark Water" because how can you not uh, yeah. stood out to you? Thank you for joining us. You can find our episode one, which is about the ghosts of the Blasco Theater, on your Podcatcher. Uh, and again, you can find us on all social media. You can hear that in our post show. But thanks for joining us, next in, time, friends. friends. Thanks for tuning in, and join us next time. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Exit Stage Death is brought to you by Dreamer Productions.
1: This episode was audio engineered and
0: edited by Maddie Limerick. And our theme is Antisocial Dance Party by Brett Eagleston from the Let's Rewatch podcast.
1: You can find us on Instagram at Stage Death
0: Podcast, on Twitter at Stage death Pod,
1: and send us your favorite chilling theater stories at Stage Death Podcast at gmail.com.
0: You can find us on Patreon.com at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of $2 a month keeps quality content coming your way on your favorite podcatcher app.
1: Join us for more chilling true stories on the next episode of Exit Stage
0: Death.